Every morning we like to open with Psalms. Psalms chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Answer me when I call, O God, my righteousness. <laughs> All right, God, you are my righteousness. No, no, you got to understand. We will see King David in heaven. And one of the reasons I can say that is he said, God, my righteousness. He was not looking for his own righteousness of works. He saw God at his righteousness, salvation by faith, remember? But listen to him. Answer me when I call. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayers. <laughs> All right, so prayer is answered by grace. How long shall my honor be turned to shame? God said, he said, now God, wait a minute. My honor is being turned to shame. People are just, the things that should bring me honor are being used to attack me. How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Now, David's kind of laying out to his enemies. You need to understand something. God has set me apart for himself. So, you know, be, be a little careful with all your lies and attacks. He said, and the Lord hears when I call to him. So David's kind of backing up his enemies a little bit and said, now, now listen, you guys need to understand something about God. God has set me apart for himself. I know who I am in God. He is my righteousness. Now, David made no claims of perfection. We all know David's failures in life. But he said, God, my righteousness. Now he continues, verse four, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Wow. Be angry. Okay. Be angry. Okay. Anger is okay. Sin is not. Now, the reason anger can be, can be okay and sin is not is do not let emotions control you. You've, you've heard of people, and we don't use the term too much anymore, but back in the 80s, we used to call a person who just ran amok. They just lost control. They were no longer in control of themselves. You've seen the classic illustration on, on television where somebody is just, just beside themselves in grief or sorrow or wailing, and somebody slaps them in the face. And you go, man, that would make them hit you back. No, no. It brought them back into control. Emotions were dominating them. So it's all right to be angry. But don't let anger control you, okay? Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Now, right sacrifices, not what you want to give, what God has asked you to give and how God has asked you to give. So notice, offerings must be correct. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. <laughs> God, God, they're saying nobody's going to help us. God, lift up the light of your face upon us. You have not, now listen to David. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. He said, now God, you put more joy. You have put 
more joy in my heart. All right, so God puts joy in our heart than they have when their grain and wine abound, than they have in wealth. So God puts more joy in our hearts than wealth can give to anybody. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Some of you can't sleep at night because you're afraid. <laughs> Beloved, please, he makes you dwell in safety. You can lay down and sleep. Not lay down and toss and turn. Lay down and sleep. Father, many of your people have been awake all night. And Lord, all they did was roll on a bed like a door on its hinges. Father, I ask that today you give them sleep. Lord, you promised in your word to give sleep to your beloved. Grant them sleep in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's now turn our attention to our Old Testament passage. Chapter 10, verse 1. These are the generation of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons were born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madal, Javan, Tubal, Misha, and Tiras. The sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, Rephath, and Torgamah. The sons of Javan, Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, and Didonim. From these, the coastland peoples spread in their lands, each with his own language by their clans in their nations. Wow. So each with their own language, multiple, multiple, multiple languages. The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush, Seba, Havila, Sabta, Raama, and Sabteca. The sons of Raama, Sheba, and Dedan. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on the earth to be a mighty man. All right, so he was the first. This is first. The first on the earth to be a mighty man. So of all the men that came before him, none was like Nimrod. Nimrod was not just a regular guy. Nimrod was a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Notice that, before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalnai in the land of Shinar. And from that land he went into Assyria, and he built Nineveh, Reboth-Ir, Kalah, Risan between Nineveh and Kalah, that is the great city. Egypt fathered Ludim, Anamim, Lahabim, Naphthuhim, Parushim, Kasluhim, from whom the Philistines came, and Kaphtorim. Canaan fathered Sidon his firstborn in Heth, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, and the Gurkanites, and the Hivites, and the Archites, and the Sinites, the Arvadites, and the Zemurites, and the Hamathites. Afterwards, the clans of the Canaanites dispersed. Okay, now there's a key word. The clans of Canaan dispersed. And the territory of the Canaanites extended from Sidon in the direction of Gar as far as Gaza, and the direction of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zebulim, and as far as Lasha. These are the sons of Ham by their clan, their languages, and their nations. To Shem also, the father of all the children of Eber, the elder brother of Japheth, children were born. 
the sons of Shem, Elab, Asher, Ashkabad, Lud, and Aram, the sons of Aram, Uz, Hul, Gether, and Mash, Arphashad fathered Shelah, and Shelah fathered Eber. To Eber were born two sons. The, one he, the name of one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided. Now here's a key. Now notice, nations dispersed, nations, the earth divided. And his brother's name was Jatham. Jatham fathered Almadad, Shelef, Hazarmavah, Jera, Hadoram, Uzal, Dikla, Obal, Abimael, Sheba, Ophir, Havila, and Jobeth. All these were the sons of Jaktan. The territory in which they lived extended from Misha in the direction of Sephar to the hill country on the east. These are the sons of Shem, by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. These are the clans of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies in their nations. And from these nations spread abroad the earth after the flood. So here is, again, disperse. Now, remember I told you the other day about genetics and how people basically all looked alike because we all came from Noah, all right? But then there was this dispersion that took place that went all around the world. Well, basically, this is what the scriptures are talking about here. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now, the whole earth had one language and the same words now. Same language is one thing. Same words is another thing. Have you ever noticed that you can use the same word in Tagalog and Cebuano and it's used differently? Have you ever noticed that? Not too long ago, I was talking to an old friend and they and their wife were in the car and I was feeling happy and I slipped into my Southern. <laughs> okay. They had to understand where I grew up, ugly was a sweet word. Your mom would say, you ugly thing. You know, and it was just, or, or if you were joking with your friends, your daddy would look at you and say, you ugly thing. Well, I looked at him and I said, I looked at his wife and, and we were just laughing together and joking. I said, why'd you marry this ugly thing? And I watched her face change and immediately I recognized she doesn't understand the words I'm speaking. I'm speaking in Alabama words and I'm not speaking in Tagalog words. So I called him up and I apologized because I said, I saw your face change. Now, it's one thing to speak the same language. It's another thing to have the same words. Now, now, let me just pause here for a minute. Because most of our misunderstanding is because we are separated by a common language. What? Yeah. You see, in every family, words are used differently. In every city, words are used differently. Listen to how the young people use words today. And, you know, they say something and you go, can I get a dictionary, please? Okay. We speak the same language, but the words are used differently. So I, I just take this to encourage you that if you want to, if you want to end a miscommunication or try to at least reduce miscommunication in life, because that's where most of our arguments come from. Remember, it's one thing to have one language. It's another thing to have the same words. So make sure your words mean the same thing. Okay. You can't, you can't use the same word. And you, you hear it one way, and they understand it another way. And as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. 
And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. Okay, so here we have modern technology. This is, this is something brand new. They'd never done this before. They just built with timber and they built with stones, okay? So modern tech. By the way, Brother Jig, I, I saw the email that you sent to my wife and um, you were laughing and said, you can tell how long I've been watching Pastor Summerall on Morning Devotions because I can almost read his writing. <laughs> Good luck reading my writing. <laughs> oh, Jig, I love you. Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. Here's modern technology and the impact of modern technology. See, there could not be cities without modern technology. And they made brick for stone and bitumen as mortar. Okay, now this is asphalt. So in this area, there had to be oil. You, you find these tar pits only where there's oil. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Now, I want you to notice several times we've already talked about this dispersion. Some people did not think this was a good idea. Some people did not like the idea that people were, were taking off and leaving the main group. And they did not like this dispersion. So they said, all right, let us, let us, this is self-guidance. This is not asking, asking God for anything. We're going to do this. And the purpose of doing this is pride. We're doing this out of pride. And we're doing this because we don't like this dispersion that is happening. But God said, be multiplied and fill the earth. So dispersion was God's idea. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have one language. This is only the beginning of what they will do. All right, so unity of thought and language, great ability to a people. Great ability comes to a people when you have a common language and you're united. And nothing they propose to do now will be impossible for them. Now, there's a negative side to this because their purpose was pride, but there's also a positive side to this. You, you have to learn to have a common language, and you have to learn how to have a common way of thinking, a set thoughts and set language. And then people can do anything. When you're united and you have the ability to communicate, united and ability to communicate, you can do anything. He said, come, let us go down. And I like this. Let us. There's the Trinity. Remember, let us make man in our own image. Let us go down and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them over the face of the whole earth, and they left off building the city. Unfinished project. Now, unfinished projects find their source in pride because God will always help you finish. It may take a while, but God will help you finish. 
They left off. It never got finished. But God dispersed them. Now, I want you to understand the purpose of that dispersion was not penalty. It was to fulfill his will. God intended man to multiply and fill the earth, not all stay in one place. Now, as Christians, sometimes we got to remember, you know, it's nice just to hang out like all through all through church history, there are people that want to build Christian cities and all the Christians come and live here. And it's like my grandfather taught me when they did that in Zion, Illinois, when he was a young man. He said, you know, too much salt in one place makes you sick. <laughs> he said, you can't keep all the salt in the salt shaker. It's only good when you spread it around. Very true. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. These are the generations of Shem. When Shem was a hundred years old, he fathered Arshahad two years after the flood. And Shem lived after he fathered Arshaphat 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arshaphat had lived 35 years, he fathered Shelah. Now notice, lived 35 years and then he fathered a hundred years and then he fathered. Evidently, life was very different then. Okay, some people didn't start having babies until they were a hundred years old. And Arshaphat lived after his father, Shelah, 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah had lived 30 years, he fathered Eber. And Shelah lived after he fathered Eber 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber had lived 34 years, he fathered Peleg. When Eber had lived after he fathered Peleg 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg lived 30 years, he fathered Ruth. And Peleg lived after he fathered Ru 209 years and had sons and daughters. When Ru had lived 32 years, he fathered Saruk. When Ru had lived after he fathered Saruk 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Saruk had lived 30 years, he fathered Nahor. And Saruk lived after he fathered Nahor 200 years and had other sons and daughters. And Nahor lived 29 years and he fathered Terah. Now we're starting to get some names we recognize. And Tyre lived after he fathered Terah 419 years and had other sons and daughters. And Terah had lived 70 years. He fathered Abraham, Nahor, and Herod. Okay, now we begin to see names we recognize. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. And Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of his kidred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abraham took Nahor wives. The name of Sarah's wife was the name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarah was barren; she had no child. Terah took Abraham his son, Lot the son of Haran his grandson, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan, all right? So the purpose is the promised land. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, you know, one of the interesting things when you read through some of this and you see the generations is you can do some Google research on what they call young earth creationism. Young Earth creationism does not believe that the Earth is gazillions of years old. It lays out the biblical record and shows how old the Earth is based on biblical record. It's a great study. I'd encourage you to look it up one day. But what I want you to notice here is I believe that Terah could have been Abraham. Hmm. 
He was going to the land of Canaan. I believe that God had spoken to Terah first. He was leaving his family and he was moving to the land of Canaan. Now, the thing that stopped him is he came to Haran. Now, why in the world did he stop in Haran? He has a village that has the same name of his son. Now, here's the truth I want you to get a hold of. Sometimes being sentimental can become the roadblock to God's will. Let me say that again. Sometimes your sentimentality, there's a big long word. Sometimes your sentimentality can be the roadblock to God's will. He got to Haran. It's a village named after his son. He remembers the pain of his son's death. And, and no, no one can understand the pain of another one's child dying. You know, we're supposed to bury our parents, not our children. And they, parents who have, have lost their children tell me it's, it's like a big hole in their heart. And so here, here is Terah. And he gets to Haran, a village that's got the same name of his son, and he stops there. Only the problem is, he didn't just stop. He stayed there. Now, now here's the truth. Sentimentality can make you pause. And then after you pause, you park. After you pause, you parked. And, and this, this was his problem. He parked and he missed out. Now, the next thing you hear is God speaking to Abraham after Terah dies because generational promises pass at death. But we'll get into that tomorrow. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. So 
New Testament passage today picks up again in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount was taught on what we call the Mount of Beatitudes today. We go there every year with the Israel tour. There's a beautiful church there. We we read. In fact, I, I used to try to preach a sermon there. And I remember one year I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? And just said, no, I'm just going to read the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to read Jesus's sermon that he preached here word for word. Because you know what? You can't say it any better than the words of Jesus. So every year we go there now, and there on the mountain, overlooking the beautiful Sea of Galilee, I read to the people the Sermon on the Mount. 
So let's pick it up today. Chapter 5, beginning with verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I do not come, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now, now, you know, the average Christian needs to get a hold of that because people keep telling you to throw out the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. But Paul, when the Bible says, when Paul says, Timothy, give attention to the public reading of scriptures, he's talking about reading the Old Testament to people. You know, please, how often does Paul quote, especially in the book of Romans and Galatians? I mean, the constant quoting of Old Testament scriptures. So please, let, let's not throw out the Old Testament. And in so many churches today, they, they don't even want to read it. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. He said, I came to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. All right, so teach the Old Testament. Let's call it the law and the prophets. Teach the law and the prophets. He said, now, when you start relaxing these, well, you know, the Bible says thou shalt not kill, but it's all right to do abortion. That's relaxing these. Oh. When the Bible says thou shalt not steal, and we say, you know, but if you're poor, you know, we understand the stealing, and stealing's okay if you're poor. And he's, no, 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 no. Verse 20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, but and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with your brother, and another translation says, without cause, will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Now, let's just back up and understand that. So there's angry, there's insult, and there's fool. All right. Now, if you pick up another couple of translations, this becomes a lot easier. So let's just put a question mark there and say, and I could teach you all this, but this is morning devotions and not evening service. So check other translations, and you're going to find that that gets very easy to understand. Angry without cause. Fool means literally a person. The Greek word literally means a person going to hell. Okay? He said, if you say somebody else is going to hell, you're going to be liable to the hell of fire. So, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. Okay, leave your gift. Don't, don't take it with you. Don't, don't take your offering back with you. When you brought something to God, you leave it there. Okay. First, be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. So, if you recognize that your brother has something against you, you say, hey, leave your offering and go try to reconcile with your brother. Try to talk to these people. Okay. And then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge of the guard and you be put in prison. Now notice, there's nothing here about right or wrong. There's nothing here about right or wrong. This is just accusers. See, Jesus expects there is no justice in this world. Ah. So Jesus is saying, you know, try to stay out of court, okay? Okay, <laughs> try to stay out of court because there is no justice in this world. 
Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. It didn't say whether you owed it or not. You still have to pay. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Now, we're beginning to see a phrase. You have heard it said of old. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone that looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Wow. Now, young man, let me talk to you. When I was a young man, there was a song that everybody sang, I'm a girl watcher. And it was a very popular song. And as young men, you watch girls. You like looking at girls. But now I had an old Bible college professor, Brother Schwartz. And I said, Brother Schwartz, you know, I didn't grow up Christian. I said, what's the difference between looking at a lady and looking with lustful intent? I said, you know, she's got a pretty face. I'm not looking at her chest. I'm not looking at her butt. I'm not looking at her legs, but she's pretty. And Brother Schwartz said, here's the rule I live by, young man. And he was, he was kind of a military guy. He said, here's the rule I live by, young man. First look, okay. Second look, you got a problem. Ah, the old lustful double take. You see a pretty girl, go by. So guys, learn. First look is one thing. To stare, the long double take, that's where you're getting in trouble. He said, you know, looking lustfully, that, that's committing adultery in your heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of the members than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. Now, well, let's read the next verse. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you that to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go to hell. Now, <laughs> you go, what? Should I pluck out my eyes because I looked at something the wrong way? And notice the hand and the eye goes together. Usually what you look at, you want to touch. Have you ever noticed that? Your hand follows your eye. Oh, now you see why these two are put together. Okay. So he said, now, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. <laughs> He's not telling you to destroy the temple of the Holy Spirit. All right. But you're going to have to learn. There's things you just go, don't go look at. There's things you just don't see. There's things you just don't touch. You know, in, in my life, I've learned that I can be a very happy person and keep, keep my thought life clean if there's things I just don't look at. For instance, you know, I found like, and I won't mention the names of the news companies, but, you know, when I check the news websites in the morning, because I don't really watch TV much, but when I check the news websites every morning, if I stay to the top section, I'm okay. I can read the news real quick. But if you start going down, all of a sudden you got girls in bikinis, you got this, you got that. And as a guy, you know, the more of that I see, the more trouble I have. So you just learn there's things you just don't look at. There's, there's, there's things you just don't, yeah, you just, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that in me. You see what my uncle Lester used to always teach me, whatever you feed grows and whatever you don't feed dies. So if you learn, hey, control what you see, control what you touch. He, also, he said, it is also said, now here's another one of those you have heard it said. He said, it is also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, 
that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, forgive me, but here is the innocent party. Now, you're going to have to understand, I'm, I'm, I'm strong against divorce and remarriage. Okay, I'm just, I'm very strong against it. Well, Pastor, you just don't understand. Excuse me? I grew up in a broken home. Excuse me? My brother's been divorced twice. My cousins have been divorced, I don't know how many times. I mean, please, excuse me. I'm the product of a broken home, okay? I, I understand divorce and remarriage, and I understand things are never right after that. So I, I can understand. Whoever divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. Now notice, she's the innocent party makes her commit adultery. She goes out and gets remarried, she commits adultery. But now if she's already committed sexual immorality, he's not making her commit adultery. So this takes away the innocent party thing. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. When you marry a woman who's divorced, and we've had you know, guest singers and guest speakers that wanted to come and preach for us. And when I found out that they were divorced and remarried or they had married a divorced woman, I said, I'm sorry, I can't have you. And oh, people have been mad at me. Oh, people have been mad at me. But you know, at some point, we got to pay attention to what Jesus says about family. Okay. Again, it was said, oh, here we go again. Here's another one of those words. You have heard it said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, now notice, you have heard it said, now, notice the second phrase that comes out. But I say to you. 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 So there's a difference between Jesus and the interpretation of the Old Testament. Now, here's where you're going to get into something. There is a difference between God's word and man's use of his word. Jesus said, this is what people have told you. But he said, it's not right. This is correction of doctrine. This is not a repudiation of the Old Testament law. This is a correction of the use of it. This is a correction of interpretation of it. So Jesus, this passage here, but I say to you, but I say to you, but I say, this is Jesus correcting wrong teaching. Do not take an oath either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply, yes, and th this is a great truth here. Let what you say be simply, yes. Or no, anything more than that comes from evil. Now, now, this is where deception comes in. See, when people have to start swearing an oath, it's because they're hiding something. Because the oath protects them, but it doesn't protect you. It's about a one-sided contract, all right? You have heard that it was said, now here's another one of those, you have heard it was said, 
an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you to take your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now, this is occupied nation status. The Romans constantly would slap people in the streets, just hit them. The Romans had the right under Roman law to make you carry their, their load for one mile. Jesus said, carry it too. So th this is living, living in occupied nation status. But again, notice Jesus is correcting the doctrine being taught by the rabbis in the synagogue. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Now, wow, this is misused. Give to the one who begs from you. If you see somebody begging, help them. Now, there's begging and then there's exploitation. And there is a difference. There are people that are genuinely desperate. Help them. But then there are people that stand on the street corner and they have what we used to call in the 80s the beggar king. And the beggar king controls this group of children who and exploits them. Now, I don't, I don't give money to these children controlled by beggar kings. If I have food in the car, I'll give them some food because the kid can eat it right away. Okay, get some food to the kid's tummy. And do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Now, this is borrow for need, not business. Now, there's a difference here. If people are in trouble financially and it's they can't pay the rent, they can't pay the hospital bill, um, whatever, okay? Yeah, loan, loan people money, help people. But then there are those that are basically borrowing money from you to do business and make money. You, you have no obligation to help people there. But now let me just throw in here also because we have to balance this out. There are also Christian con artists in the church that go around and borrow from everybody and never pay their debts. Now, people have borrowed from you how many times in the past that have never repaid? Probably not a good idea to keep loaning them money. Maybe give them something. Again, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wow. <laughs> Again, he's correcting wrong use of scriptures, wrong use of doctrine. Love your enemies. Oh, pastor, do I have to? You know, the older you get, can I make you a promise? The easier it gets. Because you, you, you realize that most of these enemies are people that you once loved. So keep loving them. And pray. So love and pray for those who persecute you. So that, here's that here's words of purpose. He said, now the reason you're doing this, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on evil and on good and sends rain on just and unjust. He says, I want you to act like this because act like 
the father. He said, you know, this is what the father does. The father has all these people on this earth that hate him and despise him, speak against him, but he still makes the sun rise on them. And he still sends rain on, he still, still sends rain on their fields. See, God is good to everybody. Now he's especially good to the believer. Yes, I understand, but God's good to everybody. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you own, if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You must therefore be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And the word there means mature. So grow up, everybody. He said, he said, grow up. He said, you know, you don't just love people or love you. You don't just say hello to people who say hello to you. He said, you, you have to grow up a little bit. You have to mature. The, the Greek word here for perfect means to be mature or fully developed, just as your father is mature and fully developed. So learn, brothers and sisters. This is a beautiful passage where Jesus basically says, all right, now I know, I know how people have misinterpreted. And remember, we started up here with the law and the prophets. He said, I know how people have misinterpreted the law and the prophets. Let me show you the truth of the law and the prophets. Let's come now into our Proverbs passage. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning with verse 29. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, respect, and would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have the fill of their own devices. Now, brothers and sisters, this is one of the scariest passages in the Bible. This whole passage here in, in Proverbs chapter 1. This is incredible wisdom. Now, when, when God teaches you something from the Word, when God speaks to you, respect God. Listen to God. Because he said, now, if you go your own way and you don't listen to me, he said, my hands are off. He said, you'll eat the fruit of your own way he said, you'll get the fill of your own device. In other words, you're going to eat the fruit of your own decisions. Now, this passage has always made perfect sense to me because of how my father treated me. As a young man, I did something and he helped me fix my problem. I mean, I made a big mess and dad stepped in and helped me fix my problem. Another time I made a big mess and my dad said, no, you're on your own. I said, but you helped me last time. He said, last time I was part of it. And then he taught me this principle. He said, David, if you include me in the decision-making process and we get in trouble, we make a mess together, we clean up a mess together. But he said, David, if you don't respect me enough to include me in the decision-making process and you make all the decisions on your own, then you're going to have to learn your own lessons. Ah, now little grasshopper, I learned. I learned, talk to dad. When I had a big decision to make, talk to my dad. Because if, if he would participate and I'd listen to his wisdom, you know what, usually I never got in trouble, okay? But the few times that we did make a mess, dad was right there digging in, cleaning up the mess with me. Now this is what God is saying to us. Have a little respect for me in your life. Listen, listen to what I, I, I say. Listen, listen to my teaching. Listen to my counsel. He said, otherwise, when you're in trouble, you're on your own. And please 
on your own is a bad place to be. Let me say that again. On your own is a bad place to be. Let me say that again. On your own is a bad place to be. For the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. Now, we're going to get into that in, in our, our, our Sunday series. This concept of complacency. Ah, complacency is just kind of thinking everything is okay and kind of thinking you're doing good when you're not. Complacency of fools destroys them. A fool thinks everything is going great and he's not looking at reality. But whoever listens to me, oh, I like this. Whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread or disaster. <laughs> oh, yes. Listen to God. Oh, with a big exclamation point. Listen to God and notice the fruit of it. One, you will dwell secure. Number two, you will be at ease. Number three, there'll be no dread of disaster. You're not worried about because you know you're doing what God wants you to do. Ah, no dread of disaster. Now, you know what? We've all gone off, and please, let's be honest with ourselves. We've all gone off and done some stuff on our own. And we knew that it wasn't what God wanted us to do. Do you remember this? Yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah. Isn't it much better to respect him and listen to him? There's no dread of disaster. There's no fear of the future. We can live a relaxed life in total security and ease because we know we're doing what God wants us to do. Amen. All right, we did a variety of things today in morning devotions. We'll see you tonight for evening service back in the